Welcome to Patch Notes. Uh, we're back for another week of uh, high-flying uh, video game uh, news and views. I'm here with Olivia at AV Club. Uh, hello, Liv. Hello. Thank you, Trevor, for uh, having me on again. Trusting oh. me as another week of saying things instead of <laughs> saying feelings. You know what? I, I, I admire your ability to say things. I've always said this. Um, and, and I just want to see it. I just want to see that continue. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it continue too. I would love to say things in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, along for the ride of saying things, uh, we have we have Mr. John Bernhard. John, welcome back. I also trust you to say things. This oh, is like the you're the you, main Trevor. two people I trust about that. Oh, that's, that's excellent. Worrying. It's great to be here as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for John, but you know. How have you both been? It's been a week. It's been quite a week. I thought this was going to be a, a a light week with like nothing to talk about because of E3 being right around the corner. Yeah, definitely. Um, what a mistake on your part. This yeah. is the the pre E3 league. Yeah, like week. no one's actually doing E3 this year, really. Like it's like Microsoft's event this year. It's like, like Black Friday ones. leaking yeah. into Thanksgiving. They That's just, right. Like, can't wait. No one can wait for people are just super amped about uh, about E3 and they can't they're super ready to tell everyone what they're producing. Um, and it turns out what they're producing is a lot of uh, weird politics games and Pokemon. Uh, I'm afraid you're mistaken. There are no politics in video games. You know how you know that? <laughs> except because for in Pokemon. Except for saying there's no politics in video games. Yeah. I think I thought we were going to talk today about how Pokemon is actually about Brexit. Unless I, think I it misread is about the, Brexit. Uh, no, I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> all will devolve to fiefdoms of cute fighting animals Aww. Um, well uh, let's waste no time in getting into it then um, but first I, it's, not on the, it's not on the schedule because I was uh, too lazy to put it on there but mm. the um, which is you know big surprise to Usual. anyone who's involved yeah. in this podcast um, the, the Barclays Shut Up and Jam Gaiden 2 is, uh, is officially dead it's, uh, it's, it's past um, um, is rest it, in peace. Is it? Didn't the PR person come out and like try to make a play for a little bit more money? Yeah, it won't happen though, because the 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 thing. So the there was a post on something awful forums with someone basically saying like, yeah, look, like um, I was involved in this project. Um, I was involved in both projects. Like I was really excited about this, and everyone kind of left. And the only person who was left was the PR person and me. And the PR person said, listen, you're not. I can't do this on my own because I don't have coding skills. And the guy said, this is a dead game. Um, and all the things about the game were, you know, it, it had uh, feature creep. It was like, it was just getting way past what it was supposed to do. And also, I think the, the main guys who were in it before just kind of got bored of it. Um, so yeah. the only person left now is the person who was, you know, very ably doing PR. But like, this would be like the, a situation where, you know, if I was on a video game team, they were like, hey, hey you're narrative lead. And I was the only person left. Like the the game's not getting. Made. I mean, it, you're, are you really ably doing PR if you're still doing PR for vaporware? Isn't like part of the PR thing knowing when to get out? No, like, uh, PR <laughs> PR is PR. You go down with the ship. Uh, I think every time. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's how they train you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, shut up and jam. I, I believe the full name of the first game was uh, Charles Barkley. Shut up and jam, Gaiden. I forget if it, it was, was actually yeah. based on a licensed Charles Barkley game, if it was a fake licensed Charles Barkley game that they well, were. So, shut up and jam was is a real Charles Barkley yeah. game. Okay. Um, that, that, but that's just a basketball game. Yeah. yeah. Charles Barkley shut up and jam's like a, a serious like, version of like Bill Lambier combat basketball. Yeah. Um, but uh, but More yeah, realistic. Like it, yeah, right. No, it, yeah, it's basically 2K. Like, it's early early, early days 2K. Mm -hmm. um, but this is... Uh, Shut Up at Gem Gaiden was an RPG Maker game uh, that was uh, just kind of a goofy, fun RPG where you play as Charles Barkley in this weird post-apocalyptic world. It's a great game. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was Final Fantasy with uh, NBA refs, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's a, references, it, not referees. Oh, the, the, but referees too. Sure. Um, no, it was, it was a it was, it's a charming game, um, and and I have many many good many fond memories of it. Uh, it's yeah. a shame that it won't be it won't be getting its sequel. It's, it's more of a shame that uh, people spent a lot of money on the Kickstarter, and it just 
you know, it sounds like the money went to salaries and, uh, you know, it went to all the right places, but the, this game's not coming out. No. Well, I mean, there was, like, funny stuff like people spoofing work by just pasting the same NPC into the dev file over and over again until it wouldn't compile. Listen, um, tell me that's so not So I'm, I'm not sure about... <laughs> It went to the right places. Like well, I, it wasn't so funneled into went an to the offshore wrong, bank account. It might have gone to the wrong people, yeah. but it paid for it paid for salaries. It wasn't yeah. like they took it and ran. Um, I'm curious though, actually, and I'm I'm interested in what what you think about this, Luke, because I know you never played uh, Barclay, but um, so you don't have the same sort of fond feelings that John and I do necessarily. But I, I wonder. This is like this is a thing that's happened a lot with Kickstarters and creative projects, where like it enters this weird space where uh, the person either has the will or the desire to finish the project, but can't. Um, there was a, a sort of famous example of when um, the uh, the woman uh, behind, um, uh, I, I, the woman behind Pictures for Sad Children um, ended up burning all the books that she had made because the shipping was... Uh, uh, it was unfeasibly expensive to ship it, basically, um, which is Can you not wild. then kickstart the shipping? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was other stuff going on there, too. Uh, yeah, th- th- yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm familiar being... with this situation. I am. It's, it's not a, it's, there it's was other stuff. Yeah, there was other stuff going on besides the shipping. The shipping was just like a breaking point. Um, In any case, um, yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of stuff going on there. But I think for our purposes, I bring up the shipping because, like, it's interesting in the way that, say, like, this is interesting, where where you end up with this... Right, like, in full faith, this thing was funded. Like, these people were not trying to scam. They just, like... Right. The game yeah. did not come together. Now, they, it, they worked on it as much as the Kickstarter paid them to work on it, and it, then it did not come together. If you want an example of a scam, look at Star Citizen. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying either of the either this or Pictures of Sad Children was a scam. I think they, both I don't that's what I'm saying. Were. Well, I, I am it's like I'm that these weren't scams. Like less they worked sold, on it to be yeah. paid for it. I'm less sold on 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 Barkley Two not being a scam, mainly because at some point in the development you have to realize what feature creep is doing to your project and have to because that that is what the main scam portion of Star Citizen is. It just they keep doing additional back rewards and larger feature creeps to promise out more content into the future to get more money now. Sort of like a, a weird content pyramid scheme. But um, I think I think in the case of Barkley, it really was like a case of, you know, they, they said like, oh, we'll do these things. And even in the actual, like, I, I have sympathy because this is what I always do. But in the, in the actual, like, Kickstarter, there was feature creep. Where they were basically like, yeah, we'll have, like, the NPCs will all have different schedules, and we'll do it like an Elder Scrolls game, but it'll be Barkley, and, like, so, then there's going to be, like, timed events, and, uh, and like, you know, a lot of choices you can make and stuff, and it was just, it, it was clearly too much. And also, um, like, did anyone come to the original game for that? Like, people came to the original game for a yeah. focused narrative experience, making funny internet jokes with characters that probably should, you know probably should have considered legal contact about their likenesses being used. Um, but mostly since it was like an SNES knockoff, we're kind of public domain. Um, and I'm, I think you can still parody Charles Barkley. You um, can. You won't get too mad, I guess. It's a strange place. Um, um, but, so, you know, well, I, like, oh, yeah. But I'm guessing, so I'm guessing, John, your, your, your take here is that... Um, in this case, particularly in sort of the video game context, it should be you should have a more considered plan. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say it was a scam. I do want to say it was grossly irresponsible. Liv, what's your um, take on this? Do you think it's like reasonable to to just sort of say at the end of your Kickstarter, like, yeah, sorry, it, it didn't work out? I mean, I think that's always a risk of funding a Kickstarter. Is like you know that there's some, yeah, like you know there's some risk involved, and I don't. I don't know. I think as long as you like provide updates along the way, I think that it feels bad because they didn't provide updates until like it seems like after the fact someone was like, Well yeah, this game isn't getting made. But like right. if you're kind of honest about it along the way, I don't think that it's as heartbreaking, you know? It's gonna I mean I, I ask and I, I will get to the other I'll I'll move on to the other stuff now, but like I I ask because it's gonna be something that's gonna come up a lot more. Like mm-hmm. I know like Swery, I, I supported Swery's new game, which is kickstarted and you know, even Swery's been saying like basically, you know, we're gonna get this game out, don't worry, but there's gonna be delays and things are gonna be different. Like it's mm-hmm. 
it's going to be complicated. And as more smaller studios or smaller creators opt for uh, crowdfunding, I mean, this is just gonna this is gonna be like a continuing issue. The, Barclay's not gonna be the last game that uh, people no. are really excited about that is, is not gonna come out. Not because of the normal reasons games we are excited about don't come out, uh, but because uh, they ran out of money that we gave them. Yeah, I mean, I'm deeply skeptical about crowdfunding as a future for any venture, which is funny to say given our business model. But, yeah, um, please tune into the 24-hour stream <laughs> this Friday and Saturday. Uh, God, please, please do that. Um, but I mean, I, I am... Obviously, it's not going to work out sometimes. Obviously, there's going to be issues like this. Um, I feel like it's it's a lot easier to say, well, it sometimes it won't work out than to f- defend individual instances of it not working out. Sure, in yeah, some no, cases. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it, a whole lot of this overhead isn't overhead for materials or licenses or anything. It's overhead so people can live, so they can yeah. fulfill them, their material needs while creating this content because life in America – or, or I, does Kickstarter allow overseas – uh, people, uh, do yes. you have to be yeah. okay? Yeah, no, no. Well, life yeah. in the in the world as as a whole, as a whole under our current economic system is so miserably expensive, um, and this is more true of America than than Europe and some other Western nations, and less true of other countries. Um, but a, a lot of this is is life cost of living money, and if that were addressed in a more equitable manner through our actual society, it wouldn't be necessary. Mm-hmm. But until it is, we've got this patchwork system of crowdfunding medical bills and crowdfunding rent and crowdfunding mm-hmm. everything everything under the sun because the actual work that we do isn't compensated enough or isn't available enough to allow us to do that. Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. Like, I don't think that you should really ever look at Kickstarter or Patreon as, like, an exchange of, like, money for goods. Like, it's like, I think that this person mm-hmm. deserves to you know, be able to make what they want and I have the ability to, you know, help that happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, it, yeah, it's like, well, anyone who went to the Kickstarter was like, well, as long as they provided updates and, like, you kind of know what's going on with, like, the thing that you're theoretically supporting, um, as long as that's happening, then I don't think that there's anything wrong with it ending. Um I don't know, because you're kind of just like supporting them along the way. No, I, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense, um, and I, I I tend to agree. Um, I I believe in the I don't know. I believe in the in the sort of good version of Kickstarter is not a store, which is to say, like you're not like this isn't about ordering a product. It's about sort of like if you if you want to help these people, help these people. If you don't, don't like it's it's yeah. fine. But anyway, um, there's more stuff we have to talk about. Let's talk uh, about games that are getting millions of dollars in funding and are going to come out. Like I can't the, wait. Um, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Not Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. That was the original game back in 2008, 2007, whenever that was. Right. Um, this is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is the fourth game in the Modern Warfare series. So really it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. So the first one was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. This would be Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. Very, very sensible. Wait, wasn't the the original was Call of Duty 4 Modern yeah. Warfare? Okay, okay. And and this was would be the fourth Modern Warfare game, because the last one was 3, and it was terrible. Um, is that the one with Kevin Spacey? No, that is uh, Advanced Warfare, I believe. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. The we uh, we don't one, think he's going to make it in this one, right? No, no. I mean, he's the villain in that one, and you kind of, you know, you close up, kill him in that, and it's cool. Um... I believe the space one is Infinite Warfare, which is just... That's a really I've, bad game. <laughs> these all sound like jokes to me. I truly have not kept, basically with, jokes. kept up with the Call of Duty enough to know about wait, wait, let's, Advanced let's, war, Warfare versus... What was the other one? Can, we do, one? can we do two truths? Yeah. Ad- John, can you do two truths and a lie about uh, Call of Duty and have <laughs> lip guess? Um, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts. Uh, involves a band, a, a super state of all of the countries that right-wingers are scared of south of Mexico, teaming up to destroy the International Space Station with guns 
and invade the country like uh, one of Trump's fever dreams. Okay. Two. Um, in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, you have to defend the Eiffel Tower from a Russian... <laughs> Um, not a, a space Russian. So the thing with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is we sent all of our convicts and evil people and um, people we hate because of race science to Mars, and they took over Mars, and now they've just formed a faction of all the evil people in the world, and they've stabbed us in the back, and they teleport their supercarriers above all the cities in the world, and you have to defend the Eiffel Tower from one of these supercarriers by turning on the, the final boss weapon where you, you basically, um, you know, you, you strike the blow that takes them out. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, in Call of Duty Modern Warfare... Oh, shit, is this Warfare 2 or Black Ops? I get them mixed up. Uh, all, all, no, it's it's Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Uh, Oliver North was a main consultant on the game <laughs> as well as a character in the game who gave you missions, and he was slimmed down and made more muscular than he actually was at the time. Um, oh, man. As you were invading, as you were engaging in Black Ops in sub-Saharan Africa to overthrow socialists at the behest of a, of a local warlord. So one of those is a lie. I feel like those all sound like truth. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be honest. Sound... One of them is almost true. One of them's a half-truth. Yeah. I don't... Oh, I don't feel like anyone would be compelled to save the Eiffel Tower. Like You're that. correct. That's the lie. Specifically okay. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower part. Everything else about that is true. Wow, I thought it was that Oliver North was slimmed down. Yeah, I thought that no. was the lie. No, oh, no, wow. they definitely. They, you so know, you've seen they, Trump in political cartoons. What did mm. they save inside the Eiffel Tower? Oh, they didn't save anything. Like, like you know, they just there's just scene after scene of them murdering the population of the world. You get ambushed <laughs> from doors a lot. Like you, you know that 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 old thing where you open a door and someone hits you with the butt of a rifle. That happens like three times in that game. I thought you were gonna say the door, like it's a slapstick. No, no, it's like you, you know you you're this badass, you know, huge. Uh, all-american killer but every time you go through a door you like lose spatial awareness so anybody who stands <laughs> directly to the side of the door can just hit you with a rifle button you go down instantly call of uh, duty and, three stooges yeah and this is how the plot is progressed <laughs> in, the, in the game um well, so call, call of duty mode to the goals mode to the polls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we we've gotten off topic we have not um so uh, you said <laughs> So you said this Call of Duty is basically just uh, no rush in the game. All right, so to explain what that means for people who don't follow Call of Duty. Yeah, do you know what no Russian is, Liv? It's the racist mission, right? Yeah, I don't know about race. I mean, it's, it's kind it's, of racist. It's not known for being racist. The The mission it's, is... Like, you play as a terrorist or yes, something? Yes. You yeah. play a, It's... Um, you do a false like flag, basically. It's, it's the third mission or so of Black Ops 2. You play as a deep cover... Maybe the second mission. It's the, you play as a deep cover uh, American operative in a Russian ultra nationalist um, criminal organization slash military you know, paramilitary, and the 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 mission is that you walk into an airport in Russia with um, have fully automatic weapons and just gun down civilians for five minutes. Um, and then the SWAT team arrive, the police arrive, and you fight the police for a little bit, and then. Uh, at the end of the mission, your character gets executed by the villains because the villains knew he was a traitor all along, and now the Americans are implicated in, in the in the violence. See, I've heard this as like a controversial mission, yeah, but it's it was... also the only thing I've heard about Call of Duty because otherwise no one is yeah, really... It's, it was... No one's talking about Call of no, Duty. No one's really talking about Call of Duty. Like People buy Call of Duty, but I never hear people like really referring to it. It's been a much bigger know. multiplayer game than it has been for the single-player stuff ever since, like, Modern Warfare 3, I want to say, is where the shift was. Um, and they've had to get more and more ridiculous every time to, to up themselves on this. But, uh, yeah, No Russian was, was... It was... That was the last time that violent video games are taking over really, like, surged back into the headlines before retreating more or less forever because now everybody plays violent video games. Right. Um, and... 
you know, I believe there was an option to not play the mission. You could, like, turn the mission off, basically, um, and just, like, read a summary of what happened in the mission or see a cutscene that summarized it. Because the next cutscene afterwards, I think, pretty much makes it so you don't actually have to play No Russian. It just summarizes what happens in a couple sentences. Um, but, yeah, so the new Call of Duty, they're trying to go all in on the uncomfortable violence of warfare. And... So they're trying to make spec ops? Yeah, but I, I think spec ops probably um, had more uh, fidelity. And please, please don't feel like you have to say probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was more faithful to what it was trying to do than... than I mean, and spec ops had its problems. But th- this sounds like just mealy-mouthed corporate nonsense. Um, so they show the they showed two missions, apparently, at this press event. Uh, the first mission has you with Captain Price, this, like, cartoon character of a Scottish SAS. I think he's Scottish. Uh, SAS. Why, why not? I mean, he, he's he's the blood and vinegar guy. He's the dude who, you know, goes into the buildings and says the quips and then shoots people in the head. Um, and you, you do this mission. Voiced by Simon to... Pegg. <sighs> really? No, just kidding. Oh, okay. You could believe it. You could. I mean, no. I mean, no. Simon Pegg's a little isn't manly enough. This guy has like the gears of war growl. Oh, okay. Got his it, voice got it, got he didn't it, originally. He used to be fairly chipper, but now, now that we've gotten to the fourth game, he's got the Marcus Phoenix growl in his in his voice. Um, so what happens in this mission is you go. You're uh, you're raiding a terrorist compound of of unspecified but clearly Middle Eastern um, quote unquote terrorists. And as you go in, you uh, murder the women and children. To, well, murder the women and are given the option to shoot an infant, apparently. The, 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 the demonstrator didn't actually shoot the infant, so it's, it's unclear whether or not you are actually allowed to shoot the infant. But there is, a, there is an infant in the field of play. Um, <laughs> Press but, F to yes, shoot infant. Um, so you go through this, this harrowing, you know, this is serious. This is how this, these things work. This is the fog of war. Thing where you're you're murdering these women and murdering these these men uh, who don't have their guns up and you know maybe shooting this infant and then at the end you get reassured that you had to do all that violence because like the women had dead man switches for the bombs to the compound so if you didn't <laughs> shoot them they would have blown everything up um, which sort of undercuts everything you were trying to do up to that point it seems like seems like it very directly states that, no, you just need to kill all these people. You just have to feel bad about it. And that's the problem, because and this was a problem I had with that movie Sicario, too, which is that it posits that this violence works. It's just bad, and you should feel bad about it working, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the, there's the second mission they showed, which is the, the other side's character, this, uh, this teenage girl, Farah who is one of the unidentified country residents, um, with these Russian soldiers rolling in and putting her village to the gun. Um, and, you know, it, you have a, a boss fight where you have to steal a knife or some scissors or something from a pair of tape, uh, or a screwdriver, it's a screwdriver. You have to get a screwdriver and, like, stab him in the neck a couple times to kill him, and he keeps getting back up, and you get blood everywhere, and, you know, serious business. And then at the end of the mission, they make sure you know, you know, the Russian, is, these are Russians, they're not the Russian government, it's the Russian paramilitaries again. And they're like, they're taking all the young women away to rape them, and, you know, just making sure you know, you don't have to feel bad or anything, but, you know, you don't have to feel any compunction about analyzing whether a military response is, is necessary here, you don't have to feel anything but a good versus evil reaction to the bad guys are here, and we have to kill them. And obviously the way this is going to end is Captain Price and his band of merry murderers are going to team up with Farrah and the insurgents, and we're going to get that Rambo 3 scene uh, card at the end where we bravely thank the Mujahideen <laughs> fighters of Afghanistan... And, uh, you know, no moral, nothing was learned. And uh, also, yeah, and they're basically claiming this game doesn't have politics, I'm pretty sure. Liv, are you going to be buying this game? (laughs) No games have politics. Like, that's just... I love to live in a world where you can make apolitical media. I will not be buying this game, no. Is it it feminist to, uh, to not just kill the men, but also the women? Um, 
sure. Just kidding. I, That's a fake like, question. <laughs> I just, I truly wonder what it would take for me to buy a Call of Duty game. Like, it's not like I'm in any way offended by Call of Duty. There's just, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. I don't know what there is to it. That you just I don't, don't find it very interesting. Every other game. No. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, I should note that I'm not, I wasn't at this press event. I'm quoting from the Ars Technica uh, coverage of that by, uh, by Sam, uh, Makovich, okay. I believe his name is. Um, I apologize if I mispronounced that. Um, and well, you know he more, listens to the show. Yeah, obviously. So. Um, someone's going to add him on Twitter and, and say I fucked it up. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the press stuff for this was describing the game as Jaws, not Saw, which uh, maybe my memory of Jaws is wrong, but did it have just like 20 minutes of ultra-violence from the shark shown on screen? From the shark's perspective, was was that what Jaws was about? Because I thought it was about building the tension and then doing that. Jaws four was okay. Well, Jaws okay. Jaws four, <laughs> not Saw. Um, and obviously, I don't watch. Admittedly, yeah. uh, anti-shark propaganda. That's not vegan. <laughs> that's true. It and well, you are animal violence, and you're that's, st- that's you're only still in, slightly irony. Are you still? Are you still like? Are you still in bad with the vegans? Are they? Uh, is is vegan was... Twitter still on you about your tweet? <laughs> the vegan syndicate. That was a, a singular vegan who uh, who took it upon themselves to assume that since I don't like PETA, um, that I that I say carnist is a slur often, mm. which I've uh, I'm gonna believe I've never said. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. You actually every time we talk. Um, I say hi, Liv, and you say hi, hi Carnist, <laughs> and it's you know it's charming. Um, I know that you mean it in a cruel way. You you you're you like you intentionally tell me it's cruel. Mm. Um, you say I hope that you don't. Uh, I hope you understand. I'm not saying this in a fun way. And um, this is yeah. This is the last thing I'll say on veganism is that I do use the word Carnist that some people don't like, but it's the easiest way to say meat eater. I'm not going to say meat eater and sound like a child. Oh, I will yeah. say Carnist. I actually agree. I, I I I was kidding about the slur thing, but yes, absolutely. I think Carnist is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Um, it's it's fine if I can say vegan to describe someone who does not eat meat, then having a one a singular syllable or what close to singular you know one or two syllable word to describe meat eaters seems perfectly reasonable that's what i think too yeah um well john are you going to be buying this game um it really depends i mean i i don't want to give them money for it but Mm -hmm. if the campaign is as spectacularly bad as it looks like it's going to be i might get it secondhand um you know, once the prices drop, just so we can talk about it here. Um, All right, but uh, no, I know I I wouldn't be buying it for like fun. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah. Um, uh, well, okay. Um, then uh, I guess we could probably move on to our next thought, which is: Is it another? Are we talking about politics and video games again? Is this another? We are. Show? That's, that's this is so we are. Is. We are talking about. Um, just pointing my patch notes. Notes. Um, oh yeah, Watchdogs. So um, I'm going to ask you guys both a question uh, to start us off on Watchdogs three. Mm-hmm. Um, John, what is um, what is your personal Brexit? My personal Brexit is uh, every day of the week when I wake up and realize the hell that we live in, and I just want to leave it. But I also don't want to contribute anything towards leaving it, and I don't want to do anything about it, so I put it off to tomorrow. And that's really what's Brexit about it. Okay. All right. I, you pulled that out. I was just going to say we're worried about you. Um, but now I think you had a point there. That, that is not just me being concerned about you. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, Liv, uh, what do you feel like is uh, distinctly American um, about Brexit? Do you think there is something distinctly American or something distinctly British about Brexit? I think it's distinctly British because they can just put it off. Like, we don't really have a choice. We're locked into things and just, like, we get steamrolled with a certain party for however many years, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, like, this thing where it's like, oh, well, we'll try again later. It seems like they're always voting on Brexit. Like, it's every single week they're voting they on are. Brexit. They are. I've <laughs> paid attention to it. It's an, it's, incredible. <laughs> it's incredible what's going on over there. Um, well, it's been uh, going on for, what, like, four years yeah. now? I'm 
I think you guys are going to be really excited to hear about our new uh, new co-host. I'm going to actually bring her on uh, just now. Teresa May. Oh, uh, I heard Kurt, she was looking for work. All of a sudden, yeah, very free uh, all of a sudden, which is going to be well, really she's cool. She's going to join us on Friday after she resigns as prime minister. Yeah, and she's going to have a lot to say about the new Watchdog because it takes place in... Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. England uh, post-Brexit. It takes place in London uh, post-Brexit. That might actually be important. Who, who really knows? Because London has different, you know, there's there's always these these crazy scenarios they talk about, well, will, will London, like, try to stay in the EU as a city? It won't. It, it can't. It, you know, they, they put soldiers in it to stop them from going. That doesn't mean it hasn't been floated. Um, but, no, it, it's really funny because when they announced this game, they announced it right after, they started developing it right after uh, Brexit happened. The vote happened. The referef- the referendum. <laughs> Waiting. Happened. Yeah. Not taking. Not not waiting even a single second. So they um they had to think. You know, this is this this game is on the schedule for four years down the line. Surely by then Brexit will have shaked out and we'll have some we'll have a status quo to talk about and build the story on. <laughs> and I'd love to make fun of Ubisoft, but I mean, I would have thought the same. Thing. Yeah. I mean, and and London makes is a great setting for a Watch Dogs game. You can scale back the guns because of. Uh, the UK's sensible gun laws, um, so that only the cops who murder people they think are terrorists in the street have semi-automatic weapons. But even they don't usually. Yeah, have they them. usually don't. It's it's like the, the the response teams, the fast response teams that get the the sidearms. Most beast the cops, dangerous ones. Yeah, most beast <laughs> cops carry like nightsticks or batons, um, and also it's the most surveilled city in the world. You've got cameras mm-hmm. everywhere. So the whole thing about watchdogs, of course, is jumping around between these cameras, manipulating the environment through the cameras and based on what you see. So that's a really good, strong pitch for mm-hmm. a, for Watchdogs Three, and also gets you out of the U.S. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I think you're right. Um, I just I wonder, is there anything appealing about? So you put you put it in the notes, and I think it's it's it, it has to be said once again. Ubisoft has put itself in a literal political yeah situation and is going to end up saying that this is not a political game yeah um this question is for both of you is there anything i mean is there anything appealing at this point to playing a quote-unquote real life politics game Uh, sure if they're willing to be honest about it but they're not i mean here's the thing about ubisoft and politics is that every every game since like the early assassin's creeds that they've released have been have traded their market value, their concept, their pitch off of politics. Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed 2 had like George W. Bush as a Templar in it if you dug into the back material. Like, nice. you know, these are games and we're not talking just Assassin's Creed, but the Far Cry games, think about what they did with the Far Cry 5. You know, the Far I try Cry, not to. Yeah, yeah. Uh the Far Cry games have gotten quote unquote political. The Tom Clancy series is, you know, Bolivia had, to, had lodged, you know, offense with there with France because of Ubisoft's conduct in putting together uh, that Wildlands game because they portrayed Bolivia as overrun by cartels um, and cartels were just the government down there. You know, the, these are they and obviously there's the division games which they keep claiming aren't political while having you running around the White House in a like a, you know post-apocalyptic we've been overrun by um, escaped prisoners and counterfeit military guys and I guess the sanitation department with flamethrowers. That's right. Um, so you know these this is a company that trades intensely on the signifiers, language, and imagery of, of modern politics. And then every single game they put out, they send the, uh, the the director or the assistant director out there to say, this is not a political game, we are not endorsing... Because they believe that saying this is not a political game is the same thing as saying this is not endorsing any political point of view. And those are not the same things. You can't actually make an apolitical game and you don't become apolitical just because you refuse to actively take a side. Um, because that itself is a political choice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be, this is going to be announced at E3, and we're going to go through the song and dance again, and, you know, we'll be back here in two years' time for um, Assassin's, the, a new Assassin's Creed that, you know, shits all over the Russian Revolution or something, and then they'll say, you know, there's no politics here either. Yeah, I think that's fair. Liv, would you play, is there any benefit, do you find this at all, like, intriguing to play, like, a game based on current politics, even if it were accurate somehow? 
No. Well, especially from anything saying they're not being political. Like, I think that the idea of saying you're not being political is an idea that's reserved solely for white men. Like, everything else is, like, women and people of color see mm -hmm. everything uh, as political. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> totally no makes sense. There's not politics. Everything is political. It's just whether it personally affects you and your studio. Um or not there's a great um there's a great kathy acker line and i'm i'm a i'm a staunch defender of kathy no one reads kathy acker but i'm going to defend her um i'm a staunch defender of kathy acker because she seems like she just does like kind of i don't know boring vulgar uh mid 90s sort of like shock uh poetry or shock uh that's literature that's the cartoon strip right kathy <laughs> shut up um but the um i know it's ack yeah um, but there's a great line. She's actually like super smart. Um, if you give her books a chance and, and the books do not, uh, really encourage you to give them a chance. Um, they're very, very abrasive, but there's a great line in one of them. I think it's blood and guts in high school that says, uh, uh politics takes place inside my body. Um, and it, it like it on its, on its face, it sounds like one of those, like, well, there's no politics. It's just personal. Like anything that is political is just like based on my perspective, but if you think about it, the idea of politics takes place within my body, like, it, it immediately becomes like, oh, yeah, like, I am politics. Like, I can't get out of that. It's embodied within me. And it becomes this trap. And I've always found that, like, very revealing about the way that women and, of course, like, people of color and uh, LGBT people have to experience politics. Like, you can't, you can't just say, like, well, I don't care about politics because it, it's you. Yeah. I mean, it's also just a factually true statement on its face, literally factually true, uh, based on what this country is dead set on, what the people who run this country are dead set on doing to reproductive rights and all that stuff. Like, it's it's literally just a true statement. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think she cared about the true statement, but you're not wrong. It's very um, much, the personal is political, whatever. Period. But I mean that's true. I mean, yeah, I, and I, I guess true. like to to ape John there. That's a, that's just yeah. I, I agree. Like it's it's it it feels old hat to say in so many ways, but it's it's one hundred percent true. Um. So yeah. Um. Well, uh, let's get to yeah. something that's a little less political, a little less obviously political. Um, <laughs> we had a uh, a release today, Nintendo Direct today. Um, I thought you were gonna bring up the Battlefield Five thing. I was like, oh, I don't know if that's getting less political. No, no. I think we're, we can end with that. We're moving or... to, to the other breaks game now. Yeah, the other Brexit game, Pokemon. Um, so, so uh, new Pokemon today. Uh, Liv, are you excited about the new Pokemon game? Are you a, are you a next gen Pokemon person? Do you play the Pokemon games? Oh are you into God. them? I'm absolutely a next gen Pokemon person. So, like, I was such a Pokemon kid. Like, I. I loved red and I loved yellow and I played them all the time on my Game Boy. I played them all the time on my Super Game Boy on the Nin Super Nintendo and like I would play with like my inflatable I had this like big inflatable butterfly that I had next to me at all times and I would know it was my butterfree like I loved Pokemon and I played the trading card game and went to Books a Million every single Saturday and like I, I was such a Pokemon kid but I didn't ever really have any handheld consoles after that like I had the Game Boy Advance and like I got Pokemon Ruby so I played that but I'd already felt like I'd missed so much, like, not having, like, a Game Boy Advance before that time. And then I never had any... I don't know. Like, that's just, like, the thing whenever you're a poor kid. It's, like, maybe you have the actual console that you get, like, once every couple of Christmases. But you don't get to have, like, every... Yeah. Like, TV console and handheld console. So I just, like, I haven't had a chance to play it since... Uh, Pokemon Ruby because um, even like in grad school like I didn't have money to buy a 3DS or whatever sure um, no it makes sense so I bought Pokemon Let's Go Eevee which is like a, just like a straight port basically of the original games and it doesn't really offer you anything totally new but what it does offer you is that you don't have these like random battles anymore which is also a thing with the new game like and I've, I'm really really looking forward to the new game because I finally have like a switch and can play the new games um yeah no for sure and I mean that's another big thing in uh 
in Pokemon Sword and Shield is that they don't have any random battles. That like maybe you see wild grass and you see an exclamation mark and you can engage in a battle with a random Pokemon, but it's never like stuff happens and you, you're not expecting a battle at all. Uh, that's such a good thing. I'm so I, I think the the random battle was obviously a, a thing of its time, and I played many 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 JRPGs that had way too many random battles. I beat the first Breath of <laughs> Fire, which. Of Arcadia. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, Skies of Arcadia, good lord. Um, I mean, the first uh, uh, um, Breath of Fire game, literally, there's like an item that I would keep farmed constantly that reduced random encounters because <laughs> there were too many random encounters. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I've played those games and enjoyed them, but I am so happy that that's a thing of the past. Like, that's very appealing to me. Yeah, I think there's mixed feelings about it, but I think overall, like, at least it's something different. Like, I think yeah. that's one thing about Pokemon games is, like, I've... I've missed out on a lot, but I think that some people maybe think that it just seems like kind of a reskin of the same game, and like it seems like this is offering some new things. So it has that, and it also has the Dynamax feature, which is um, that during uh, fights in certain areas, Pokemon get really big, and they can stay really big for three turns and be powered up, which I don't fully understand. Um, yet and i don't know if it's just because i've missed certain games and like just don't understand how they're like certain areas have different things going on and i haven't been able to watch the full direct yet um but i'm i'm i would be super excited no matter what this was so like (laughs) it looks really cool i'm excited to see new pokemon i think that's one of the cool things is just like seeing new things but also haven't seen new pokemon in like i don't know almost 15 years so (laughs) <laughs> well, and like just seeing just seeing the the designs without actually playing the game is, I found very very um, unfulfilling. Yeah, and it looks like the new legendary Pokemon, like one of them, is like just like a a dog with a sword in his mouth. He looks kind of like the Dark Souls characters. So. Yeah, it's it's the it's a you basically get to play you get to have a Pokemon uh, that is Sif from Dark Souls, and you don't yeah. have to then fight it, which is like the worst part of the Sif boss fight. Everything's well, great about that boss fight, except that you're fighting Sif. I know that dog because it was recreated in World of Warcraft, Mr. Pandaria. Aww. <laughs> so that's how I know it, and you don't actually have to play Dark Souls to see it there. So that seems like the better choice. <laughs> um, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't, I, you know what, I, uh, I, I hear you. But uh, speaking of WoW, there's also raids <laughs> in the new Pokemon game. There's raid battles where you can have four trainers. Do you think they do you think they made this game with you in mind? It certainly seems like it because they're releasing a game for the Switch. I mean, you are <laughs> you are pretty popular at this point. Uh, you know, I don't want to brag, but it seems like <laughs> if they were to release a Pokemon game, it would be catered specifically to me. <laughs> um so uh what um John, are you a Pokemon person? I was. I I I was a Pokemon person for a long time as a kid. I think the last one I played was Stadium, the 64 okay. game. Was a, oh, hell yeah. Or, or game cool game. game. I, one of those two. Um, it was a 64 game, Didn't I think. it get a... Didn't, wasn't there a second one? Yes. There was I a think it was one, the but... later one that was the last one I played, and that was... I think that was also a 64 oh. game. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I, it was... I don't remember. I didn't play it. Was it was like Stadium I... and Pokemon Snap were my last two big Pokemon games. Yeah, Snap's Pokemon very fun. Snap. 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 Um, Pokemon just snapped. Too. I fell off hard. I, I've, <laughs> I've, you know, 100%ed red and yellow. Um, I didn't really get into anything after that. Um, what I'm really excited about with this upcoming game is I saw a picture of, like, the Britain gym leader. And he's wearing, like, a soccer jersey, but also, like, oh, a crown yeah. and a royal cape. There's a lot and going And there's on. the royal cape. And he's wearing, like, short shorts, like, like running short shorts <laughs> over leggings. And his cape has advertisements on the back of it, like it was a soccer jersey. And oh, that man. is just, it is easily my favorite character design uh, of, of this year. It's That's so extremely good. good. Um, and it, it's tempting me to get back into it, even though I, I think I'd have to. I, you know, I'd have to buy a Switch. I think this is a Switch game, right? Yeah, yeah I'd have to buy a Switch yeah. for it. Um, well, I think that's worth it. I think there's, you know, I, I think there's certain games that could sell you on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, let me talk about it. Uh, getting a Switch <laughs> is in the plan if you know if things work out. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know, the, that guy is selling me on it pretty hard. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Um, honestly, I will play this game. I'll try and get back into Pokemon. It's been a long time. But now there's enough there's enough Pokemon in it that my my general urge to like catch them all, as anyone who's watched me on stream, and if you haven't, uh, watch me this Friday to Saturday as I stream for 24 hours. Um, anyone who's watched me on stream will know, or played video games with me, will know that I have a, a terrible uh, inability to let things go, mm. um, which makes... Uh, it makes Pokemon tricky, I will say. Um, but uh, now that there are so many, it's it's fine. Like I don't need to catch them all. It's it's just like psychologically speaking, it's not going to be a big deal for me. Um, yeah. So I will one hundred percent play this game and, well, so and see see if I can. There's so much that's been added to Pokemon since the last time I played it. Like shiny Pokemon and like yep. online trading. Like there's so many of the social aspects that I've never had before, and I'm true. Like I felt severe FOMO like missing out on the last um, like I almost bought a 3DS in grad school against like my rational mind but thankfully did not uh, but I'm really looking forward to like being able to like trade Pokemon with my friends online and it seems like it's it's more possible to collect every Pokemon and like trade with people than it was whenever oh, I was in yeah. elementary school and you had to have like a, a Game Boy Link and like Know someone who had Pokemon Blue. And, and would be willing to give you, like, their Squirtle or whatever. Yeah. Horrible. Well, not their Squirtle. Come on. Like, who had Well, a you game gotta like... get the first three. No. So you have to trade them. Yeah, like, maybe, like, a... I would ask for, like, maybe a Sandshrew And then all that new bullshit. Oh, good one, good one. Yeah, the contest in the movie, and yeah, that was a Well, first, game. before all that, the lies about Mew and how to get him. Um, I love. We should actually have. Let's have a special episode one week about lies that we were told about video <laughs> games on the internet. I I'm pretty sure. Sh- I you know? I there are so many that I can think of. Um, that Sonic was in Super Smash Brothers. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Did that ever happen? Are you joking? Uh. <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. Moving I'm, on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, I, I think uh, let's 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 table because I'm I'm on I'm on a time crunch this right. week. Uh, let's table let's table Nazis. Uh, I know it's <laughs> British or American so. uh, version uh, of table. Well, it's very important. <laughs> one means to one means to open it for discussion. One means to remove it. Um, oh, uh, American. Yeah. Um, let's talk about games we're playing. Yeah. Uh, what what games are you guys playing this week? Uh, I am I've started because I'm on a budget game crunch. Um, I've started very fun, uh, the, and I've talked before about my my freelance work in the Warhammer 40k universe. Um, I've started uh, Warhammer 40k Mechanicus, which is a uh, like an isometric view tactical game um, in the Warhammer 40k universe, and it features one of my favorite um, matchups, which is like just an insanely weak group versus like some of the most powerful enemies in the entire lore. So you, you, mm-hmm. you play the Dawn of War games? No. Okay. So in the Dawn of War games you play as the Space Marines. Usually you can play as other factions, but the Space Marines have you know, a builder unit. They, you know, you've got your Marines with the guns, you've got your Marines with the chainsaws, you've got your walking coffin uh, Goliaths with chain guns strapped to them. And then you've got these guys called Tech Priests. And they're like your builder units. Like the, the mm-hmm. peons from Warcraft Two, Zugza, okay. you know that, those guys, um, the weakest units on the field. They can't attack. They get killed in three hits. Those guys are who you're playing against. The Necrons. The Necrons are like uh, there's there, there's a there's a there are there's debate about who the strongest faction is. The Necrons are up there. They're like undead terminators. Um, okay. You can't kill them. That sounds they strong. Keep coming back. Uh, and, you know, they they run around in giant, like, floating pyramids and shit. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, their goal is to end all life in the universe. They hang out in tombs Naturally. all the time. Um, they're bad news. So you're playing as these, frankly, really underpowered um, uh, uh, tech priests. And the tech priests, the reason I like the tech priests more than I like the, the space marines is because while the space marines are doing the weird irony fascist thing where they're trying to ex- over exaggerate 
uh, fascism to the point of ridiculousness with how that works. The tech priests are like the weird mechanical space Catholics who like claim that the the Holy Spirit is in all of these machines instead of electricity, um, and who are always who are always replacing parts of their body with. Um, uh, both like mechanical eyes and shit, but also like burning candles on their shoulders and stuff like that. Um, cool. Yeah, they're they're really cool. I like them. Um, and and the game itself is is pretty fun. If you don't like games that don't have percentage chances to hit, it's not going to be for you. And I know there's a big split in in the strategy game community about that. Where you know, it, if you have to roll a percent chance to hit, it changes the game significantly. Versus if you know you're going to hit whenever you move and take an action, it changes the sure. nature of the strategy completely. So if you're a percent chance to hit person, this might not be a game for you. Um, I'm sort of agnostic on it. I can I can go either way, mainly because I'm bad at games. Uh, so I don't really have a a overwhelming philosophy here. I just sort of go with whatever <laughs> I'm able to do. Um, but nice. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good customization. It's it's a small game. Uh, let me check what the price is again. Seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Steal at twice the price, really. Oh, I should have researched this first. Um, What's well, okay? Um, why don't you it's 30 look it bucks. up? Uh, it's thirty bucks. Oh, thirty bucks. Um, yeah, it's, it's a so it's a budget title price point. Um, it's uh, there. There are timers involved. There's if I have to say one bad thing about it, it, it is it, because of what it's modeling. You are always the underdog here. It is incredibly unfair. Uh, you if mm-hmm. you are a person who is tempted to save scum, you'll be doing a lot of save scumming here. Because there will just be changes and condition changes to the battlefield that you just had no way of knowing were going to happen. And you just run into a an ambush that you couldn't have predicted and you're completely out of position and you're going to die. That sort of thing. Um, okay. And that you can handle it if you know it's coming. But if you don't know what's coming, uh, you could be in fairly serious trouble. And it's a game where attrition builds up. Like you have a meter that fills with you know how alert, alerted the Necrons are to your presence. And also, you lose money for each of the units you have that gets, gets killed. So you can find yourself in a death spiral. Um, and it's mu- it seems much harder to snowball than it does in, in like, XCOM. Death spiral meaning mm. that your losses reinforce your losses. Snowball sure, means yeah. that your wins reinforce your wins. Um, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I'll probably keep playing it. I think I'm going to move on to uh, Void Bastards for next week. We'll see how that goes. Oh, yeah. People, people seem pretty into that. So I'd be inter- I'll be interested to hear what yeah. you think. Um, Liv, what have you been playing? I think it's no surprise that I've just been playing Overwatch. <laughs> you um... can't just bring Overwatch every week. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. a... We're into well... honesty here on Twitch. <laughs> I have limited, limited personal time. And so it's like either I can watch a movie a week or I can read a book a week or I can play a new video game a week. So I, I've mostly been reading the past week. And then what have you been reading? Over... That can come up too. Oh, okay. Um, what did I finish? This past week, I finished Solaris by uh, Stannis Wolfram. And I finished... What did I... I don't know what else I... I finished... Um, a book on gender. I don't really remember the name. But just, like, about, like, transgender law accommodations... <laughs> Um, and I started, I started Milkman, which is what won the Man Booker Prize last year, and I started, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what it's called. You've been, Um, you've been busy. Yeah, I've read, I've read like 10 to 12 books in the last month, which is pretty good for me. Nice. Um, so that's what I've been doing with my free time more recently, and then I've been mostly playing overwatch with my boyfriend um which is like what we typically do together we've been watching like movies and and playing overwatch i'm gonna say and i'm gonna i'm gonna break from john here i think it's good to um i think it's good to be in a relationship oh oh, that's that was my (laughs) thing okay um No, I think it's I think it's good to uh, to not always play video games. Not that John was saying that, but I I will say it is not a bad thing to to bring the same game, especially if you're doing other stuff instead. Like if you said, I I, I don't have another game because I've just been sitting in a dark room all week. I'd be a little no, worried. I haven't been doing that. Uh, the other book is Ally Smith: How to Be Both, which was like a man Booker finalist like a couple of years ago, and they're both 
fairly similar in that they are like a stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness female narrator. Cool. Um, and both written by women and both like I don't know. I think that they're stylistically probably pretty similar, but like I always have to have an audiobook and then I also have to have a physical book and an ebook and at least one of those has to be nonfiction. So sometimes I have three to four books going at a time. Um, yeah, so it's hmm, okay. been a big reading month more than playing new video games. Cool. Um, well, the game I've been playing a lot of is um, Hypnospace Traveler, um, which is great. Um, I've been streaming that, and uh, basically the the gist of Hypnospace is um, you play. It's it it is the Basically, it's the world of 1990s internet, but an alternate history, mm-hmm. wherein um, you play as uh, a cop, uh, like a mod, basically. I guess a cop is a little little euphemistic. Uh, but you play as a mod um, in this place called uh, Hypnospace. And Hypnospace is uh, basically this place where you can go and surf online when you're asleep. Uh, and so... Um, it's basically the it's basically GeoCities. Um, it's just GeoCities, and like all the pages are exactly what you'd expect if you grew up in a certain era with a certain kind of like internet 1.0. Um, and it is amazingly well written. All of the uh, all of the hits uh, in terms of like who they're trying to portray and what they're supposed to be doing, et cetera, et cetera, are like absolutely spot on it is it is just a super smart game and it is lovingly crafted it um it does really really good narrative work and it is not like i think it does really good narrative work it it is it runs sort of like i think mechanically like a um visual novel but it doesn't do the visual novel thing of um i'm trying to think how to say this it doesn't do the visual novel thing of um, what some visual novels do, where it's like, oh, we're going to add in uh, action bits or stealth bits or something like that, right? Like, it's just, it is so uh, confident in its ability to tell a story. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It's really that, good. I, I, that sounds really interesting, but I don't think it's totally fair to say that that's like a visual novel thing that they can't. Oh, I don't think it's. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, I yeah, no, that, you're right. Um, that's not what I intended. I, I guess what I meant is that a lot of visual novels will a lot of a lot of visual novels that I don't like as much will try and do that. I think visual novels can be like wonderful and purely convinced of their narrative and like the best ones are um and do a, a super good job. I think some visual novels will add stuff just to add stuff to try and make it more gamey is is what I would like to say. I don't know if you'd say that was fair. No, I think that's a fair assessment. I'm just trying to think of uh, the ones I've played. And... Yeah. No, I, I definitely want to play this game. It sounds yeah, good. it rocks. It's really, really It fun. sounds like it's for me. It, it is, and there's a lot of, like... Basically, whoever you were in 1999, this, this game has some representation of you on the Oof. internet, which is um, painful and... I was on and the internet in okay. 97. I was, <laughs> I was playing Pokemon Red in my bedroom. Um, there's a there's a great the the most live coded character in that is uh, there's a, a a person in the teen zone who uh, finds like um, the most not live now but live uh, then I would assume uh, I didn't six know you years then. old uh, yeah there's there's someone who's in third grade who is like um, who finds these fake planets and and discusses like uh, what what she thinks they are um, it's really good it's basically Aww. like. This planet to me is uh, is sister planet because it has a lot of lines <laughs> and my sister likes to draw. Oh my god! It's, it's extremely, it's that kind of thing. Like it's just very well written, very very true to life, um, very much like what the internet was in that era. So it's nostalgic, yes. but it's also just a really really good game. Um, I can't yeah I can't recommend it enough. It is it has a high price point for an indie game. It's twenty bucks, but it is absolutely worth the twenty bucks. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't think that. Uh, price point should necessarily be like a no an indicator of like playtime or anything like that. Like I think that people oh, I'm the same probably yeah. um, undervalue the price of indie games. Like I think indie games should probably cost more than they usually are. Yeah, I think that's absolutely yeah. right. Well, uh, this has been lovely, guys. Um, yep. I think we're I think we're good. Any, good. any final Can thoughts? Plug the twenty four hour stream. 
Oh, yes, as I, as I have a couple of times. Yes, uh, come watch the 24-hour stream. I am um, trying to uh, build up money to pay uh, Liv, John, Julian, anyone who is working on the show. Um, it's very important to me uh, that everyone get a chance to, I don't know, I guess... Um, uh, well, that that I get a, that I get a chance. Let me say this: that it's very important to me that I am able to pay people who help uh, make the show what it is. Um, it is not a solo thing, and um, I know money is not the only way to show that, but um, it is one way to show it, and, and one way that I would like to show it. So, um, this is what the twenty-four hour stream is. We're gonna have a lot of really cool guests. We've um, got a lot of characters uh, from the uh, new cartridge extended universe coming in. Yeah, it's true. Um, there are tons. Scott Benson's going to be there. Um, all of our regulars, Liv and John, will be there. Um, uh, uh, strangely enough, just uh, contacted me out of the blue uh, the other day and said he wanted to be on the stream. Uh, famous uh, 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 Syrian mercenary, uh, uh, piss pig granddad, yeah. Brace Belden, is going to be uh, there. Bad it's going to be going to be on the stream uh yeah donald bad news hughes is going to be there uh donald borenstein's going to be there it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun um so i'm excited uh, i think uh oh david roth's going to be there <laughs> david's um, gonna okay all right yeah stefan heck's going to be there at some point or another um did i say olivia's going to be probably the biggest Who? star is olivia um olivia uh, av uh, uh, i don't know uh, if you know her i think i follow her yeah oh well, no she's a good follow I think everyone does. I'll be there too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, come 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 to my Twitch. It starts at eight on Friday and goes until eight on Saturday. So it's going to be a lot, and I'm going to be very tired by the end of it. And uh, yeah, uh, well, until next week. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good night.